When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, so there I was, right? Skating down Hollywood Boulevard through the stars. And I come to Raji's. I'm gonna go see what's up. I went, I walked into the club. I knew the place was mine. I saw a pinball machine I used to play all the time. Plus a little gooey who looked so fine. So I dropped two quads and shined the lame lines. As I stood there playing this game to death. With one on the flippers, the other on the breast. The headlights were burning a hole in my pants. Tell you fell in love with just one glance And when I look into the eyes of a pretty face That's when I knew that Shot the first ball, never ever losing sight of Miss Baby Doll As she made her way up to the ball My points on the game worn up to par Up ball two, went straight in the gutter She did a pirouette that made me flutter With a drink in one hand, her purse in the other I dreamed about the day I'd meet her mother Lost ball three with that nightmare Woke up from the dream looking in a fair pair But when I looked into the eyes of her pretty face That's when I knew that Hey, this is Orb, and you're listening to Talking Schmidt, episode 143. It's cool, like tonight is the night. Here we go again. Just give it the old cause turn, isn't it? Uh, big dogs in. Schmitty. 96 times, Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. We on? Schmitty. Talking Schmidt. That's called going to the hospital, bitch. I can shit my pants. Your Rolodex is fucking deep. It's about the one, the one, the one. Who is this guy who thinks he's tough shit? What's up? We're tastemakers. Come on, Smitty, what the fuck? We're fucking coming into Christmas time, and I had a mental breakdown today, so we're going to see how I can pull this. And no better than my next guest to get me through it. We're at episode 143, so you know I'm thinking SF history, kids. This is Orb. Stoke, dude. I'm hyped we finally got this one here. Let's go. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm chilling. Besides the nervous breakdown, I hope you're doing cool. Yeah. I, you know, one bedroom uh, apartment life in the city during pandemic and uh, new variants and all this crap is just like, dude, and, and nobody returns calls. Nobody talks. It's just like, I don't know. I lost it today. I just went full psycho and just like. Ah. Hashtag, are you okay? And then now I'm good. Got a chair massage, and here we are. Oh man! Hell yeah! You got a little bit of time. You, you already go to the airport? Oh yeah, I'm done, man. I'm just chilling at home. What are you running, Brian Coon status these days with the little van trips, picking up some weirdos at the no, airport? No, no, <laughs> my old lady's going out of town. No, no uh, candy in the van tricks here. And then, how do you uh, pronounce your last name? Cam. K-A-M-M, unless you're talking about my mom's last name, which I used to use in Thrasher, and Jake had a a way of bringing it up every time, which is F-L-A-D-E-N. 
Yeah, but like I had a hyphenated last name. So after a while, maybe after high school or something, I just went with my dad's last name like everybody else, which is K-A-M-M. And but before, like my first step by step, it said Rob Fladen, Rob Orb Fladen. Yeah. And so Jake would just be all burp every time I saw him forever. It was Fladen, Rob Fladen. Just okay. you know how he was, even no, no matter what photos preceded that. So uh, your but your real last name is Cam? Cam well, it's Fladen Cam theoretically, but uh, as an adult, I just took on my dad's last name. You were were you born in SF or were you born? I was born in New York and moved to SF when I was three in 1969, 70. Mm. Okay. And then um, you grew up in the city. Yeah. Yep. Um, right. Like Castro, Noe Valley area. All right. What street was that? Eureka. Eureka. Okay. Yeah. Sick. Um, when did you get the skateboard bug? Um, oh, there's dogs everywhere. Man. Go yes. on. Um, so my dad built me cause he was a New Yorker. He built me one of those. This is classic, like textbook, like half the time bullshit, romantic skateboard story that people pop up with, but it's real. Um, you know, a, a crate with two sticks. I have photos of it somewhere on uh, some roller skate wheels on a big plank. And then, of course, the, the box broke off, you know, because it was screwed on with two screws. And then I had this big old lumpy skateboard. And I got a skateboard probably for my seventh birthday, like a really Toys R Us non-name, just hard, generic, plastic uh, deal. Ooh. Did you take the bus straight to the top of ninth and just bomb down or what was your go to? Yeah, um, oh, I skated my, I, I skated that to school every day, like fourth and fifth grade. Uh, I took the bus, but we were ninth Avenue guys for sure. Yeah. That was our deal. Archimedes, me, Rick Miller, a bunch of other SF heads, anybody that was hanging out at uh, Fogtown, which was actually rainbow skates back then. Um, and Tommy and those guys were there, Bryce and all them and fish and cooksy, but they, they were older, they had cars, they weren't grommets like us. So uh, we were on the bus and deadheading up to the top and none of us were deadheads at all, but we were going up there and yeah, that was our shit. Would you kind of treat it like a ski slope? Like just take the bus up, bomb down, then take the bus back up like over and over. Yeah, we definitely were on a transfer for sure. We we went through the stages of as skating was evolving. So for a while, like shit, we might have started out buttboarding that, mm. you know, and then all we did was laybacks and we had big old cubic three, you know, purple wheels that would get flat spots. But we weren't hitting the driveways quite yet. And then, you know, as stuff happened, we started taking advantage of it. And there was some. There's a bunch of like little jump rampy driveways on ninth. Yeah. Uh, so it all pretty, evolved. And like after like you just start to get localize it and realize, okay, I got to get over here because I want to hit that. And you start like mapping it out, huh? Yeah. And there was all these corners that had some heavy ledge or something. And we'd stop there and session it. Right. You know, uh, or we just vomit when we just, when we learned how to do tie slides, um, it was just like, we wanted to get to the bottom again so we could go back up and just, you know. What school were you going to? Uh, I went to James Lick, which was like 25th in, right? Oh, it's, duh. It's the big fucking 
The stairs aren't important to anyone. Yeah. But I forgot. I'm about to describe it. Uh, what's the name of it? In skate lore, I can't remember. Oh, it's Clipper. The stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Called Clipper? Yeah, Clipper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I went to that school for junior high. Uh, none of us were trying to fuck with the stairs back then or the ledge or the hub or whatever it was. Coco hit the front of it a long time ago. I think there's like a ledge and he just rode down and all he'd off or something. Yeah, there's stuff over there. There's some board slidey stuff, but we weren't quite there. That was a McAteer High School, which was later up the top of the hill by Juvenile Hall uh, and, you know, the towers, uh, Twin Peaks. All right. When you first got into like a real skateboard after the Toys R Us one and stuff, who's your immediate crew? Did you like have just people that I might not know or is Bryce or Mickey or Arco or somebody uh, right before uh, high school where Mick and Tommy and Bryce had just left that high school, but we were all, we were all, you know, skating together by then. Um, I had a crew of guys in my neighborhood and like Archimedes was one of them. We used to be a mix together. Um, Rick Miller and a couple other people. So yeah, we were skating and we would all go over to rainbow skates and that's how we got together with Tommy, even though they kind of, we weren't old enough. So we didn't get to know where the ramps were at first, but um, you know, we'd find out about some ramps in the bushes, you know, down by the reservoir on, whatever over in seventh uh, Avenue or something, you know, late, we always get it late or it'd be torn down or something. But so we were grommets, but it all assimilated from there. You know, I mean, Arco was such a badass skater that all of us grew up and then we were cool enough in, in about a year. But so you knew who Arco was before you knew him. Yeah, because no, no, uh, I didn't not through about skating. Cause we had buddies and Arco, Arco went to, to Hoover. Ah, uh, with my friend Rick Miller, and we all rode BMX bikes together after school, and then we started skating together. So then, you know, that's how our where, where was Rainbow? Was it wasn't in the same building, was it? No, it was right basically uh, facing. Uh, uh, there's a restaurant called like Hog Heaven or something right there uh, on Stanion. Is that what? Is it Hog Heaven? Maybe that's gone. I'm not um, sure. Let's see. It, it faces Keysar Stadium, basically. On oh. stadium. So McDonald's was a block away and uh, it was Rainbow Skates and skates, skates on Hate was a couple blocks away, but none of us went there really. It was on Waller or it was on Hate? On Stanion. Oh, it was on Stanion. Facing the park. Like okay. Across the street was the old Keysar Stadium before it got knocked down. And then um, it moved and became? Uh, Carlos did Fogtown. Um, I just, I got to do this, man. Oh, yeah. Damn. So, that's some, I know the whiteness of my skin probably just blew out every your whole, you know, <laughs> yeah. cinematography trip. But uh, yeah, he had a skate shop, a little tiny, tiny spot. And he gave me my first board uh, and gave, you know, fish, and all those guys were involved, and Tommy, everybody had the board to death boards, you know, and that's back out now, I guess, with the skull and crossbones. Yeah, um, and, and the dude, Sean um, Fleming, he went to my school in Redwood City. It was in, that's how I got introduced to a lot of dudes, because 
he came down to Redwood City for some reason. I think he might have got kicked out of SF school and they were like, get him out of the city. He'll be. And all of a sudden we got beast at our fucking school. He turned into a chef. I left the city and he took my job at a a restaurant and learned to cook because he's a chef or he Uh was. I haven't seen him in 30 years, but I've run into people that know him via restaurant stuff. So I split and he jumped in to the place Tommy and I lived behind and started cooking on ninth and the park right there. Right. By the gas station, right? Across from Gordo's. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so yeah, beast. That's that's a trip. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was around. He, he came down and don't don't you know you're not supposed to tell anybody, but uh, he told us about the casting ponds and oh yeah, and then we're up there and like Julian and all those dudes like we're young and it's like fuck it was so cool to be a part of the city and like see like these things that were kind of like city centric. Yeah, that's totally uh, the kind of stuff that happened though that it was a, you were just like, you felt like it was special, but it was such a small little window right there that there you were. Yeah. I mean, to me, when I saw my heroes right there and I got to skate with them and no one vibed you out. Cause that's no one vibed anybody out back then, unless you were like being a kook and no yeah. one, people were on their best behavior when they were around people who were so fucking badass. The number uh, one rule I, I always learned, um, Every session, whether it be skiing a mini ramp or going to EMB or anywhere in between, do not fucking look around after you make a trip. <laughs> yes, totally. Do not beam or you are cut, my friend. Oh, man, we used to heckle. I mean, people say I was sarcastic. I used that bad word. Apparently, we used to just really rough up the little grommets because we got it, too. I mean, yeah. The first time I roamed into the skate park, this Rainbow Skates, Chris Cook took this helmet I had because we were going to go to Winchester with the guy who owns Skates on Hayden. Didn't happen. And he just squished it between his knees and cracked the whole thing in half and threw it back to me. And I just walked into the shop like fresh dork kid. And he's like, let me see your helmet. Snap. You know, he turned into, out to be a friend later, of course. But it, we got it hard, man. Gromit's got it back then. Oh, yeah. First time I went in, I think it was Concrete Jungle at the time. I, I I don't think it was Fogtown anymore, but uh, Jake was working there. So whichever one he was working at. Yeah, uh, Fogtown was up around the corner. Then it moved to the place uh, where everyone knows it as uh, with a photo with a uh, hitting the windshield, the, the skateboard in front of the shop. Tommy and Jake worked at and Ron ran it. And it was it was, you know, the next generation of that. Yeah, that that was the spot. Yeah. I mean, that was that was the beginning of getting vibed in the city for me. I came in and I was looking through the shirts and I think they were getting ready to close or something. And he's like, Hey fucker, who's going to put all that? Like, and I'm like, dude, I'm looking through. Sh- what? I was just like, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. That's classic. Yeah. I was gonna say, How did you become orb? Uh, and just a nickname like Tommy and a, a, a guy named little John who's passed away. It just stuck. I mean, there were I'm pretty sure well, I, it's not Rob backwards like Jake used to say. Oh, in that in that video, that one clip. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you got to let that slide, but it's bro backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but it just kind of there was a ramp at the boys club around the around the corner in the hate. She was tight. 
half pipe and then a quarter pipe. That's right when I remember um, those two guys or Tommy or one of those. And Rob Roskop was around then. And actually, I remember him coming to the city and Tommy and those guys calling him Orbscop just like once. That's hilarious. What year was that? 43 years ago. And I'm fucking fried, right? Um, So it's just a nickname that Guerrero came up with and probably Little John or at the same time or some gibberish session, which was pretty normal. So it could have been Orb Orb Scop. (laughs) Yeah. Um, My name is Rob, but somehow it it happened. Okay. So who uh, was in CBS? Well, there was a lot of surf guys uh, who didn't really skate like, um, oh, geez, uh, Pete Feminia, Larry Swift. Mickey was one of the boogie boarder dudes, really. Mickey. Uh, yeah, all those dudes were on like some little OP shorts, you know, <laughs> fucking trip for a couple of years, whatever, you know. Uh, but they were ripping. I mean, they're going out and like getting beat up and do it. Mick, you know, they all ripped. I, I wasn't going in the water. I had no reason to. Yeah. You know, I was a sidewalk surfer. Fucking but freezing. They were doing that whole trip. And there's a bunch of other dudes. I can't remember their names. But, um, they were older and they surfed, but they skated a little like they could skate pools and they could skate the dish and stuff. Um, and then there was the younger guys like Mick, uh, all the Noe Valley guys um uh arco what's up anybody that was around fogtown or you know the whole this thing it was kind of a cbs mike johnson um just oh, yeah. all the all the any old sf head that's 50 years old that you can name there's probably a cbs guy although we used to act like you know we'd roll into a party and be act so exclusive and you know mick would be punching seven people at the same time with <laughs> His nose and his fist and his feet. Well, that's an exaggeration, but uh, yeah, just uh, we re- we acted like we were the shit, and it was exclusive. But a lot of heads and anybody who was in the skate scene, kind of around, you know, our age. Was it City Boy Shred? Right? Yeah, it was City Boy Shred, and the surfer guys kind of came up with that, as far as I remember. And then it went to corn beef stew. Or well, there's eighty. You know, that's Arco coming up there. <laughs> Carol's Beaver shot. You know, then the guys from Hawaii came over, Billy Dean's and them. Oh, yeah. They came over and took, you know, took it back over there. And and kind of he was a CBS guy. We were brothers immediately as soon as we met. Um, yeah, a lot. You know, I left the city in 88 and moved to Venice. So I missed a year and a lot of the whole Thrasher revolution. Ah. You know, which yeah, is was- weird because I was worried, like, I don't know a ton of stuff about the city after 88 because I was in Venice. Uh-huh. You know, you lived with Tommy, though, before you went to Venice or after? Yeah. So him and I moved out together. Did you live with Luke, too? Um, yeah, he moved into the house. <laughs> so that was the one in Thrasher with all the boards stacked up going upstairs. Yeah, that's where Bryce had a slideshow, right? I went there once for a slideshow, I think. Well, man, hing. It was above the Manhang market. They had ducks yeah. and all yeah. the, like the best fucking chow mein you could ever get was down, downstairs. And there's a there's still a Guerrero sticker above the door till this day. Oh. It was an orange flame Guerrero sticker and all the tile is orange. So 
you can't really see it, but it's still there probably now. It was a year ago. Right. That's, that's well over 30 years. That's 1986 or seven. Um, so that was that pad. Oh, Luke lived there. Mick lived there. Danny Sargent moved into our kitchen yeah. right from Portland or wherever he was from. It was a huge house that you could ride a bicycle around on in a living room. And there was an upstairs that Tommy had. Is this right as Tommy's blowing up or is? Yeah, yeah. Right as he's blowing up. So you guys are having, I mean, this is party central, yeah? Yeah, because him and I lived down the block behind the restaurant I used to cook at that that uh, Sean Beaster took it, right? So we moved off the block to this much bigger pad that had four or five bedrooms. Uh, and yeah, it was right at the, the pinnacle of of just, you know, his interview and like uh, Transworld and Thrasher probably at the same time. We're all laying there on the floor with our heads all in a circle with tape on our face. I think we're all on shrooms or something. I have no idea. KT was there. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was a crazy party house, like ridiculous, like oh, just. I feel like all your names were graffitied on the wall. Yeah, Little John, the guy who I mentioned earlier, he's passed away, was uh, he, uh, an artist. He he wrote our names in like hit ups. I uh, uh-huh. have some like Polaroids or something in some box somewhere of that shit. Uh, that was cool, and the carpet was like three inch red shag. The uh-huh. whole place. It was a trippy house. Uh, yeah, Danny, Danny lived in the. Danny was fresh to the city and lived in the kitchen. Was was Danny a pretty memorable situation? I think I was leaving like right after he'd been only for a couple months, but he was a ripper, you know. And he was an awkward kid. I don't know. He's probably a couple of years younger. I'm fifty four. He's probably like fifty now or mm. fifty one or two. He was just ripping. He just we would just talk, go out the house and push. You know, or hop on the Enjuda or whatever and go start at the top of Hate Street. We would just have somewhere to go. We'd push all the way to Embarcadero. We'd push all the way downtown. We'd go to some spot. It was always like that. And unless somebody got hurt, we would just be going. So it could have been Julian or any of those guys, like the front side rail slide photo of Julian at the school. Safeway? Oh. Yeah, uh, down the block. At, uh, uh, I, w- I was there that day. I was there. Yeah. So <laughs> At church. Yeah, on Church Street. Oh, that was just another session, you know, of everybody just pushing around. So sick boys. Yeah, that that too. I never saw that for until 10 years ago. I didn't even somehow I moved down south and no one sent me a, a video or anything as Joey McSqueeve. And I'm doing this over fucking active like sidewalk surfing shit. It's pretty funny, though. How did the Joey McSqueeve? Uh evolve was that a felper idea or bryce or no felper was i he probably still worked at the skate shop it was just bryce it's gotta be 86 or 87 bryce came up with an idea of for april fool's day episode is what it's our issue a fictitious you know interview or something and every there was all these people were griping about guys who had pro street uh decks without winning any contests i'm sure that's always been some athletic argument yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so so I, you know, I was known to, you know, spew some bullshit. So we went and did a whole interview and I just acted kind of like some crazy elitist guy who who does like million dollar fucking demos and jump ramps for 
shit for like Wayne Newton's wedding and <laughs> for like high price and no one can touch me and I fucking blah, blah, blah. I, I haven't read it in years, but it's just full fucking silly, stupid shit. We just kept going and going with all the questions like it was a real pro interview. Yeah. It's all just, you know, I remember that. And there was speculation like people didn't know it was you. Oh, yeah. Your your close friends probably did. But like people thought was Street Scott. People thought was Jake. People were like, I was never a pro. And that's really early in all our our scene blown up. So, yeah, it wasn't really meant to. And there is a I know Jake got mad for here and now forever. Joey McSqueed was a part of Bryce and fucking Orb Flayton. Rob, Orb spelled backwards. Whoa, trip on that. Joey McSqueed, the world's greatest skater. Suck my dick, Struby. Think about that. I didn't think about it because there's. we went to a thrift shop and just bought hella stuff. Big glasses. My, that was my real hair, but I had the big, thick glasses on and some outfit. And I'm skating ghetto banks or whatever had the little canyon in it and I'm a Fillmore all ain't over it. And everyone thought it was Jake. And for years they must've thought it was Jake. Cause he sure didn't like that. I guess I didn't know that for, I really didn't know it, yeah. um, but it was just, a, you know, the, the photo shoot for that session is like a, a sequence of me on a grass Hill doing like a, a Bertelman slide with like eight, eight squares. And each one I lose a piece of clothing until <laughs> my final square. I'm just in shorts. It's just some slapstick goofy ass shit. Like, yeah, you know, Carl Reiner meets fucking Thrasher magazine, you know, right. Who the hell's uh, Carl Reiner, everybody. Right. But anyway, it was just silly. And they did a shirt, which I have the greatest skater in the world was the, or the world's greatest skater, Joey McSqueeve. It was just a full on joke, you know? And yeah what was uh what was the party life like that back then i remember we had mcm and the monster i uh i think i'm pretty sure uh dj pause maybe was at uh, your house. I went to a part one party there where Bryce had a slideshow and I think he was DJing or something. Oh, that would make total sense. Yeah, yeah that, that's about right. And MCM and the monster big time. Uh, the guy who ran deluxe Jeff, I can't remember his last name. Oh yeah. Rest in peace or right. I, you know. Jeff Clint. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I came up, we stole a keg at an MCM Mont- and monster show at the independent out the back door and put it in his car and drank it at Miley the next day. So we were at any MCM show, just blotto <laughs> trying to just get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, Dude. I, I mean, what was the local, what was your local like bars and stuff? Would you none of us were 21, bro? We were oh. all none of us were 21. I, I left when I was 20. So we all had some some fake IDs. We weren't hitting bars at all. We were we were like we had our house just house and party and skating. We were buying MGD by the like ten cases at a time and playing quarters and just making a mess. And um, then and Ka- Cameron had the fucking Saint Ives sponsor, right? Well, that too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What's what do you find around the corner from the night break? 
at a sand, you know, just 80 people throwing up on, <laughs> on Waller Street or whatever it is over there. Oh, God, that's it. these huge barrels full of ice and tall boys of that. Oh, oh. Dude, they oh. did good marketing because they fucking made that shit look like it was the coolest shit ever. And I remember just like, oh, what is this? this is so if you nice. let it get warm, you were in trouble. If it was cold enough, you could you could convince yourself. Yeah, yeah. It was worth drinking, but man. Tommy would rock those shirts and the Louis Vuitton hats and stuff. It was just like, yeah. I don't know. It seemed like everyone was just doing it so like. I think the image was larger than how you were really living, obviously. Like Tommy's like, of course, that was fake. That wasn't real. I couldn't afford Louis Vuitton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. It was that was right. You know, it's a dawn of hip hop kind of. Right. You know, yeah. big time and, and um, graffiti and everything was all like kind of huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I moved down to Venice, but uh, it was the same down there. And I was back up to back and forth to the city constantly. So. Uh, yeah, that was an amazing time musically and it reflected big time on, you know, uh, all of us and the culture of, you know, there's some photo at the Animal Chin, uh, premiere with Thebo, Nottis, Tommy, me, and somebody else. And everyone's dressed like Run DMC, you know, with fat chains and stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, it was a big influence. Uh, Mickey told me to ask you how you broke your arm and why they called you crooked arm. Oh, my elbow is what it broke. Uh -huh. uh, and it's still pretty foul to this day. It doesn't straighten out. Um, geez. Okay. I, hmm. The best version would be, uh, I'm skating HP ramp all day. Um, like a great day skating, drinking beer the whole day, but sweating it out. And then, um, we leave and I hop in somebody's car and we decided to stop at the dish right up the hill. And I guess everything hit me or something because I was like, and I, I'm not like a drunk and I wasn't skating drunk back then. I mean, I was like 17. I just went like, and I wrecked my elbow and it didn't pop out of the skin, but it, it popped out. And I just went kind of at the dish. I guess I, I don't know what trick I did. Everyone was like, Oh crap. And I went snap. And, uh, uh, you know, I was all lit. So my parents were out of town. I remember. And I had just gotten a cast off from my ankle being broken. So my, I was in full denial that I really hurt myself. And my elbow was like Popeye times 10. It was just like, and I was just like, I rolled back into UCL, UCSF and the dudes are like, Oh, look who it is. <laughs> guy. And I'm like, oh, it's full of fluid, man. Just drain it. And they're just like, no fluids coming out. It's like this big. So, yeah, I, I wrecked it. I wrecked it pretty good. And it never straightened out, I think, because I kept skating. You know, I was skating the ramp with, I, like, with the stiffy uh, cast. I have photos of me doing slob airs. No way. You know, I don't have style to begin with. So it's perfect, just all Mr. Crooked. But then when it came out, it didn't ever, for like years, it was here still. And then it kind of went all the way to there. But that's why. What was one of the coolest things you saw at uh, Hunter's Point at the ramp? Oh, man. Were you, you weren't there when Eddie Radig, you did the rolling off the thing or anything, were you? No, I wasn't. Oh. Uh, man, everybody came through there. I mean, even Grosso and, and 
rough and all the guys won the first street contest in Golden Park at well the second one but the first one where hey everyone we got to go up to this place called San Francisco you know when everybody was there Lance everybody the one yeah. background not the one Tommy well Tommy might have won the second one too I, I don't know if he did maybe he did and he wasn't pro was, I, I can't remember the soap uh -huh. opera but uh all those dudes came and ripped the ramp and that was pretty mind-blowing at the time because Still, they were all SoCal guys, and Vert was a SoCal thing. Not really, but in the mags, it kind of was. And to see yeah. Ruff and even uh, Monty Nolder and all those dudes, like, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the super rad guys who weren't big, big pros, that was just mind-blowing. And the ramp was so sketch, man. I mean, it got fixed, but, like, we built it. We stole all the wood in the middle of the night and tried to assemble it, and it was – totally downhill like janky all fucked up before the story is it was shirugi's ramp and then they moved it there is that right well well part of it was shirugi's but there were okay so these guys had a ramp up on public property like twin peaks area or somewhere over there i can't quite remember off to the side and it was like 16 or 20 feet wide and we weren't allowed to go to it because we were grommets and they didn't tell us where it was. Then we found it. So that could have been Shrugi's wood used for uh, that. Okay. We liberated it because half of it was torn down when we got there. And the guy who lived at the HP property, Sam Finger, Sam, Sam we called him Finger. His last name was Finger. Um, his first name was Roland, actually, Finger. But his middle name, his nickname was Sam. And I went to high school with him and we all knew him and he skated with us. He got his mom's truck and we all, we all snuck out of our houses and filled all the plywood like four times and drove it to Hunter's Point to the ramp in the middle of the night and got the templates and all this shit and all fucking fuck you guys. We can't skate your ramp because, you know, we didn't hate those older dudes, but whatever. We're, it was all in piles, half of it. So we snaked it and rebuilt it not very well because we had never really built ramps. And then there's the day when we thought we could skate that and no one would ever find out in San Francisco, even though it was way out on the edge of the city. We figured, fuck, no one will ever find out. We'll just get good without learning from anyone who can really skate. Uh, and we weren't doing shit after like three months. This, these heads pop over the fence and it's the fuckers. We stole Tom Shea and I can't remember <laughs> the other dude. They had been told at the dish by some local kids that there's a ramp out of wood down a block and they saw the fucking wood from over the fence and knew it was theirs instantly. Oh, this is the guy we're looking for. They knew who we were because of like this quarter pipe near Tommy's house. There's a picture of it in the schoolyard. He's riding like a Losi or something super early. Those guys, we all used to skate there. So we knew who these guys were. And they're like, oh, this is our wood. You guys, they wanted to beat our asses, you know? Yeah. Their own property. So that's how the cat got out of the bag. And then we fixed the ramp with them. And maybe Shrugi donated more wood. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I don't. I just heard rumor. But for people that don't know, that neighborhood is fucking narboots. Like you guys being there at night seems sketchy. Oh, super sketch. And and carrying shit down the side of the house. I mean, he was the, probably the only white kid in town in that neighborhood. And it was the '80s, and gangbang was just kind of jumping off. And uh, if you skated the dish, you know, you could get beat up. And yeah. It's not on some hater shit, you know, a bunch of white kids making noise in your neighborhood. Who the fuck? It's 
you know, they're just being punk rock about it. You know, right. in my opinion, right. no one ever got their head bashed in. We got chased out of there. Just, but that's how it was back then. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like some silly Hollywood shit. You don't come into our neighborhood, old time movie crap. So right. it wasn't racial even. It didn't even feel racial. We uh, bucked out of there as fast as we could all the way down the hill. But when you went, that. when you went there to skate and stuff, you were aware, like, this is a, li- we got to be a little more cautious, right? Yeah. Well, it'd be just like anything. Like, uh, it was the city and the city was loose and all of the people who went to school, yeah. were all colors and none of us ever, Tommy and I was just talking about, there's no, there was no racism. I mean, he's got brown skin. I'm sure he got hated on by some asshole, right. but none of the skaters, we never, ever experienced any of that. So when that stuff came up, it was like, who the fuck are those guys? Because we don't treat each other that way. It was just built in 70s, 80s attitude. Were you at the dish for that contest where it went mental? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was there. I, I have a, <laughs> I skated it, but I skated so poorly. That there's like one shot of me in that hole. <laughs> and I'm bailing. So I bailed like every trick I tried at that spot. I love the dish. Yeah, that was nuts. That was nuts. When was, do we know the evolution of the dish, like the origin story? Do we know when it was built or anything? Was well, it, it was there when you already, like already you, it was there? Thrasher was at the shipyards, right? So that was like, you could go straight to the shipyards or you could go up and somebody knew about it. It was probably Mofo and all those guys or it was just there. A lot of times it had glass in it. You know, a lot of times no one, it wasn't a destination. You know, we would go down to Barcadero and, gravitate towards that naturally just because it had that silly thing on it that was really unskatable yeah in your head, you're like there's a picture of fausto yeah doing something years ago because when you see that you're just like okay it's too small i'm gonna smash my head in yeah. it's for the person that's like a foot tall right but you're like i have to skate this place so that's why we were all in the market to begin with right we were doing stupid hand plants off the sides of those uh-huh. it like ten thousand times a day you know uh how we ended up down there initially but i don't know i mean was, uh, the dish was an odd place that was never really a destination and when we found out about it it was dope but it was just kind of so out of the way we never had a reason to go there really were you doing a lot of miley yeah miley was our skate park and it didn't have the bars yet or anything barbecue no one has to, no one has to do for skating it so Oh, it was all day, every day. I mean, that, that was before it was a hundred years old. <laughs> that was the deal. Is when, yeah, when it hit a hundred years old, it's like you cannot touch this place. Oh, man, yeah. we, we'd have beer, we'd have skate sessions. You could grind the inner edge of a square top of that thing. You know, Tommy's cover of Thrasher at, at Miley. That's the sweet spot. We were there. It was just let's go to Miley. Mm-hmm. Where are we going to skate today? Yeah. You know? A lot of those guys were at the beach skating or smurfing or surfing or boogie boarding. They would come right up. So we'd have 30 people there. Right. That was the best thing that ever happened. Miley was great. Uh, What's the origin of uh, the number 43? Okay. Um, I'm going to try. It's hard to break it down uh, and make it sound realistic a lot of times, but. It, mm. it was when three pointers came out in basketball and they kept saying four, three. And then you guys were like, <laughs> that's not it, but it could be. 
I, it's a it's some shit I made up in my mind as a, a, a nerdy kid who was skating by himself type of thing via funny wordplay. And it really did happen because of a corner store and a lot of the corner stores in San Francisco at that time happened to be owned by Middle Eastern people. You know, like 10 years later, it was Korean. It, it was just an evolution of economic whatever. If you came to this country, you know, I went to school with all their kids. So a lot of those guys skated. It was so my corner stores were all owned by Middle Eastern guys who had accents, thick accents. And I came up with a conspiracy theory that, you know, a can of soda was 40 cents back then. But at a lot of their stores, it was a little more. It was three cents more. Like if you called them on it, it'd be they'd say it's tax or something. You know, and we were we were like 10 or 11. <laughs> so why would we be busting balls about three cents on a Hawaiian punch, you know? Yeah. So, but the guys would say it and it would roll off the tongue and they'd go, 43, 43 cents, right? So I, whatever. I, initially, that's what went into my head and it went on repeat. And I guess via Tommy and everybody, the scene, I regurgitated that enough with my, you know, uh, just mental issues, whatever, you know, young skater, you know, that's kind of it, man. It just went on and on and became our little uh, mantra or a, or a cheer kind yeah. of, and there's no rooting in like some book. There's no meaning of life shit. There's no, it was really just, you know, you have something and you, people with twin brothers or whatever probably have crap they made up that never got out of their bedroom or their head or the, their bath time or whatever the fuck it was. And they never repeated it enough for all their friends to pick it up and make it into something. And then, I mean, it went absolutely nuts. Uh, so the origin is just a silly saying and put on repeat. And then, you know, I named a, a, a trick after it. And then apparently I'm not claiming a lot of people found out that that trick was called a 43 and I have shit like a guy in, in the middle of the States with a uh, clothing shop called 43. You just influenced somebody. And it's not about really this Frisco guys or SF people um, obsessing about 43 and Arco yelling 43. What's up? It's not about that. It's like the skate trick, which was like a similarly frontside Ollie, no comply thing I used to do it was a 180. So you did invent that trick. Well, apparently, I don't know, invent is a word that to be used. I had no idea anybody outside of the city found out until I also have a magazine right here, dude, by this guy called 43 Magazine. And it's a skate mag. <laughs> and it's be it's from 2013. It's beautiful. It's look at this. I don't know who these guys are, but it's all full page photos with no ads. It's like an art thing. And I contacted the guy because I'm like, you owe me millions of dollars, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I got that shit trademarked, fool. Whoa, slow it down. I'm like, why, dude? What, what is this? You know, and he's like, well, it was a. I wanted to do a mag about the uh, lost skate stuff and the trick the 43 is a lost trick because no one calls it that anymore and i'm like are you kidding me you're from fucking the east coast why are you hip to me in front of the skate shop doing this 180 ollie and jumping back on not like you know the cool the neil blender 
parking lot shots or uh, those guys down being straight ones and blasting them is what I think of a no comply as. So when Tommy uh, in his BS and with TG said that to me that I came up with a no comply, but I called it a 43. No one had ever even said that to me. It's not something I'm being like, I'm the guy. I never knew. In I my mind, it. then the no comply, you're using a parking block and the 43 you're doing it on a flat ground. Yeah, you're just rolling straight. I was trying to do a bonus one because they were really hip. You know, we we're all doing bonus ones on flat ground. It's just so dumb because it's a vert trade. But that's how early it was. And so I just was getting my front foot off and giving it a click. Keep, you know, and jumping back on as it 180 and landing. So it's just a 180 ollie, but foot planted and jumping back on. I mean, Ray Barbie made a whole part with him and it was beautiful. Oh, I know. I've seen it. And, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't then even think, you know, oh, I came up with that trick, but if Tommy says so, fuck it, I'll take it, man. Uh, I'm just saying it's everyone comes up with stuff just like, you know, electricity or some other shit. So you guys were doing like, a, um, a lot of the early street stuff, right? And uh, what were your thoughts back then in the moment when street plants come out? Are you heckling Mike V and these dudes? Or are you well, like, I need to, you know, Thebo is doing it too, I know, but. All right, so that's <laughs> like, uh, I never did one in my life, uh, probably because, uh, well, it might've had to have been an eggplant because I had my crooked arm, right? Uh, so, oh, okay. But it just, I'm, you know, I'm six feet tall, man. I never even thought about it. Um, so Mike V, we, we, uh, I get on venture and I guess Mike V did too. We go to the airport with Fausto and a couple other people to pick him up for the first time he's ever been in the city. And they're just like, he's the hand, he's the street plant kid, street plant kid, street plant kid. Um, and yeah, Thebo was killing those things. Yeah. Um, you know, I always laid on couches and hotel beds and try to do shit like that anyway, because it just, you want to, right? Who doesn't <laughs> want to do an invert, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's, I do kind of it's kind of cool to do it on the street. If, if it looks like it is, uh, you know, an Andrak on this flat street. Right. Uh, it didn't really fit into like sl slamming around a street course, but we weren't really talking too much shit because it was kind of hard. Um, but when Valerie lands, Fausto made him do one like um, at the airport, no like immediately. How like, rad. Do, one of those, do one of those. Uh, we weren't really hating on him. It was pretty goofy. I know I was never going to try it yeah. you know, immediately, but uh, and Tommy had his little, you know, one foot spin version. He, he but, had like the hazard off the wall, though. I, I feel like even Jim and him would kind of use the walls more like it was like it, it gave it kind of a little more street cred where you're riding kind of still instead of just like throwing it up. Well, Jim just could up. walk on his hands with the board up there and forever. Right? He wanted to up there. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a whole different trip. Jimmy Thibo, Jimmy Thibo. Go do it. Get rad. Go do it. Make me Did Jim uh, do inverts on ramps? I don't. I never saw a picture of him doing it. I don't. I don't it remember. seems like he could. He could do it if he wanted to. Maybe, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay, so then that 
turns into a whole phenomena where people are like, I was at the airport and I'm at gate 43 and my, yeah, my waitress had 43 salads yeah. or just whatever. Right? And you're like, well, I mean, how much of this is okay. That's cool. You got a <laughs> lucky number. Yeah. And it's kind of real because you still feel like you're in a little club, even though it's skateboarding, it's still thank you skateboarding. You know, it's like, there's not that many real skaters in the, in the world still. Right. There are a zillion of them, old fuckers like me and youngsters, but still, I always felt like it was a club. So I never was like, oh, God, you know, but seeing uh, seeing like um, DC shoes, they were big on 43 or something, right? Or mm -hmm. their, their race cars. I don't know. I saw it all over the place. I saw shirts and everything. Um, yeah, it was a phenomenon. And then Bryce did some some skateboarder article called the numerology of skateboarding or something. And I got to read a bunch of people's little takes on it, which was a trip. Cause each time I don't, you know, I don't think about it. It's not like I, I didn't win the Nobel prize when I was like 20 and it <laughs> made me what I'm not today, you know? So, so I don't go like, fuck, I wonder if 43s, you know, anything else than my head still, but then we talk about it and, and then something cool happens and somebody sends me a shirt. that's like, 49ers logo but it's the 43 years or uh, you know, or some stupid tv show is like the answer to the show is like 43 on the chalkboard whatever the fuck that show is uh, uh with gazunga or whatever that <laughs> it's on every fucking night with those nerds anyway there's i get all this stuff constantly from people on instagram about 43 so do you still get it oh constantly i mean that magazine trip is in the last six months oh, and wow. um i get tidbits and odd things and you know speeches about the guys who designed pyramids and and then just so my old homies like fucking bryce or somebody will send me like you said waitress number 43 or whatever oh, yeah and it's odd and it's it's it is what it is i mean i didn't invent a number <laughs> i don't know how i brought it to skateboarding but it's just it it's it's interesting you know well, speaking of 43, obviously, Studio 43 was a sick fucking hub for however long it existed. Um, what do you what do you remember about that? Like what well, were you I was already in L.A. and Venice by then, but oh. I skated it on when I came back up several times. You oh, okay. know, it Bryce, that was Bryce's, you know, whole thing. Uh, awesome fucking spot. Yeah. And, just the, you know, uh, what, what else would he call it? You know? Right. Oh, okay. So you were gone when that got uh, constructed. Yeah. That's like 88, probably 89. Right. As you, okay. I right. moved down to Venice and I worked at Dogtown and I was, I lived at Nottis's house for like the first six months. And so that's yeah. insane. You lived with Tommy and then you live with Nottis separately. What can you compare and what was way different? Like is one super anal cleanse guy, one's a slob or they very similar? Like what, what do you think? Um, okay. So Tommy and I moved out of our parents' house at the same time before the Manhang nightclub apartment from hell down the block. Uh, and then, so we lived together for a while. Um, you know, we were really sloppy back then. We didn't like, I think we, never did our dishes we like ate a bunch of food and they were in the sink for a year and a half or something skaters are that way we'll just figure it out well, and we just had someone come and throw them all away because we were just raging 
uh, <laughs> Nottis lived a block from the beach and his parents lived next to him. Uh, and he was like, you know, earth, dude. I mean, natural progressions. He's not, he's not a hippie at all, but I'm saying his house was just bohemian. If you want loose, not okay. sloppy. And I was a guest. So, and it was a little spot. So I was on the floor for, for a while until he hooked me up with a buddy who had a place down in Venice. He was in Santa Monica, but you know, you could see the water from Nottis's front porch. Um, Fuck. So the whole lifestyle is a zillion percent different. Than was he the- surfing? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like the first couple of days I was there, we skated down to where Chip and all those guys still had a shop and they were shaping boards and, and Nottis was, had those airbrushed uh, SMA boards, you know, Santa Monica, no uh, Santa Cruz stuff yet. Cause it was like 88, early 88. So uh, when NHS started uh, distributing them. Yeah. Uh, that So I just, I, I just was having to be friends with, you know, the right to cruise. And back then at a skate contest, it would be us, Mickey, all of us, Tommy, and then the Dogtown boys and maybe not us. I mean, really who else was just a street skater back then? Wow. A few random guys, but so it was easy for me to plug right in down there. And Jim had a Fausto just, you know, got me a shipping job at Dogtown, which was Jim and me. The, right before Dogtown moved to the city. Okay. That, that little period, which you probably know of. Yeah. Right, when, that's probably 89 or something. Right. Um, so who are your dudes? Who's like, like, I mean, I know who your dudes are, but who's like, who are you stoked on? Who's somebody like, oh shit, I'm kind of a fan of this guy. Like if, if was, were you a fan of Nottis or you were just too good? Oh, no, was up there. Like we were, Nottis was at our house in the city constantly. Right. Anytime he had to be in the city for the mag or any contest or anything. So he was family already. Right. Just, it was just, uh, yeah, we, there was, there, but, we were all too young to trip out. You know, I mean, did you when, trip out on Hasoy or, or Lance or any of those guys? Um, no, because we were just, it was too early. I mean, yeah. Hasoy was amazing and ripping vert stuff, just, yeah. But they were still young enough, like, so Olsen. Or oh. Bear or Alva or Jay Adams still were mind blowers uh, to be around skating. Would you have some uh, in person with Jay Adams? Yeah, uh, one one time at a at the boardwalk we skated around a bunch of times because uh. everybody was there, just a million people. Block Tim Jackson, every all, everybody, Oster, everybody, because yeah. that was where you went all the time. Uh, but I did skate one pool with Jay. In Santa Monica, a little kidney. Uh, Dave Hackett was there too, Ooh. and I already knew him a little bit. Um, but Jay, uh, you know, he wasn't my bro. You know, we weren't on Team Pain together. <laughs> he was cool as fuck all day, uh, and he pushed me to go over the light in the pool, and it was just bullshit. You know, just a skate session in some backyard that we weren't to be supposed to be in. So one little uh, same same thing with Alva. Just because I was in LA and you know, somebody said, Hey, we're at Gonzalez Pool. Another uh-huh. thing you see in magazines all your life, and you're just like, Holy shit. And then, you know, Alva's there skating and you take a couple runs and try not to fall and then sit the yeah. fuck down. Okay. You know, but uh that's just some little fan out shit, you know, just from living in LA. Right. Um, 
the only person we ever tripped on was Gons when when I met him in the city because he was just fucking doing kickflip 50-50s to benches and we were two years behind him. Right. So we didn't fan out on Nottis or anything. But when I met that knucklehead, I was just like, okay, I mean, it might as well be Rod- Rodney or something, you know, like otherworldly. Not, not to say he's otherworldly, but he was just doing shit. It was like, we weren't even there. We weren't going there. <laughs> so when he split, we we're just like, God, that kid was annoying. But did you see him fucking like, yeah, Lord, I'm going up and with all my muster, I'm all hanging up onto a bench and then coming down, like with almost no motion. He just saw back truck and down like you little bastard. Where did that come from? I, I, I better stop skating. This is ridiculous. Right. Gone. But everybody else was. So, you know, they were all cool. Gons was a nerd, you know, so not us and everybody else that we were around were just their family immediately. Okay. No. Did you get any, like, since you lived with Nottis and then you live with Tommy in either of those situations, did you get to be a part of like some like bigger than life moment because of those guys? Like where's the animal chin? Right. Part of animal chin is just because Tommy and I were all friends and roommates. And how did that come up? How did that whole thing come up? That's before him and I were just living together and he had just, you know, uh, wherever that falls in his sponsorship with Powell and having a model, you know, I know he had a model out already big time. So they were coming to town to film and, uh, and you guys lived together already. Yeah. And so I don't know what Stacy, I don't know how they threw it together. Yeah, he didn't. I guess he had a part in mind. You know, Stacey had that whole thing, which we didn't ever hear of maps to the stars homes, which is still on the street corners of L.A. right now. Yeah, we had no idea what the fuck that was. So when he said, I, I want to do this thing about maps to the skaters homes, we were just all and not, you know, no pun, didn't get it. No clue what he was talking about. He explained it and we still didn't get it really because uh, uh-huh. so anyway, uh, so it was his thing. And I guess they just decided to throw me in. Um, and so we made it all up on the spot. Was it ad lib or was there like some, it some, it was total ad lib. He told me, he goes, yeah, I have this inflatable map. I want you to tell him it's, it's like the ancient maps to the skaters homes. You, you can give them to that. They probably did three or four takes. Uh, I came up with the homes thing because I'm a word nerd and I just was like beyond nervous and like, okay, you want to nerd out? It's fucking Stacy Peralta. And I had never met him before. Uh. And he's in a van with us just being Stacy. And, you know, as a kid, even if you're not a skater and you're watching fucking eight is enough on TV, there's Stacy, you know, he was like him and Alva were, they were rock stars to us. Right. So, that was pretty fanning out. So I was on like hyperdrive trying to like be clever. And I was like 17 and come up with shit, you know? So the, it just was like ad lib, the whole maps of skaters. And I go, what if I say homes? Yeah. And whatever. And the rest, I just blurted out kind of, you know, the, the names of the people and all that stuff. It's and my I, business and I love it. Yeah, you know, all that, like, <laughs> little things. I was just trying to, like, fill and not, you know, no aspirations of being an actor. Right. But I was just on bullshit mode. And I recently 
five years ago saw all the outtakes and you know obviously the stuff that didn't make it was just me literally on you know bipolar overdrive or whatever some kid trip you know all this silly shit coming out of my mouth so it was just a kind of a bam bam situation mm. it was real quick maps to the skaters homes maps to the skaters homes Maps to the skaters homes hey was the production like anticipated or was it pretty quick? Like as far as like you knew they were coming up to film the whole animal chin. Yeah. Like, well, did Tommy come home one day and be like, hey, they're coming up tomorrow? Or was it I like we and his dude? And Stacy being in Hollywood, and I guess being then making the switch to film, or in his mind, management, or whatever his deal was, because he wasn't a pro skater anymore. He must have just, you know, he had connections. I don't know what it was. The dude he brought with him, super rad dude. Pat Darren was like the, the guy who filmed it or was in charge of all it. They had it planned out. You know, they probably had shit drawn out in squares or whatever film school teaches you or whatever. Yeah, so, storyboard. Yeah, I mean, eh, so it wasn't militant, but I know when Tommy went and filmed the rest of it everywhere else, they were so sick of like film school Stacy going, okay, three reactions to that, please. Yeah. So they were nuts. But when they came to the city, they were like, we're going to go here, we're going to go here, take us to a couple spots. It was loose, but also they were, they were filming, filming, filming. Did you cruise with them to skating? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple. We went over to like Noe Valley and and uh, we're skating some spot where Lance probably is doing these drops. Maybe I can't quite remember. And uh -huh. some guy lipped out on us. And I was like trying, I played Jesse Martinez for like 15 seconds and like <laughs> yelled at the dude and got all, oh, yeah, I talked shit to this dude. Would look, it was just your typical uh, gay dude from the 70s with tight. Daisy Dukes on and big old steel toes. And he was like, get off my blah, blah, blah. And I yelled out in the States. He was like, Orb, I didn't know you were a, a fighter. And I was like, oh, I was just talking shit. It was a funny little situation because, again, we were nervous as shit, man. And it was just me. We didn't have our crew with us. It wasn't like Arco and everybody. It was just me and those guys, the pal team. <laughs> and uh, had, so, had, had you met cab and lance and those guys before or was this the first uh, time? not lance cab was a norcal guy so oh yeah a little bit but he was still pretty legendary because of his vert you know we were all street skaters tommy could skate vert well, none of us skated we skated ramps we could do airs but we didn't go to skate parks right we didn't grow up trying to be a vert skater and then skating the street naturally yeah we were just that one step below you know vert generation even though we went to a few skate parks so uh i knew cab a little bit but pretty much not nah, those guys were just like magazine guys you know well, especially tony and mike uh, yeah you know mike mcgill was like <laughs> he wasn't like 10 years older than us but when he walks up at the, in the animal channel when i'm under the bridge it's it just it's odd. He's all in Florida, like cut off yellow Jimmy Z stuff. And it, it's funny as hell. We were gassing on that for a long time. Super cool guys. Yeah. I mean, nobody had attitude back then about anything. Right. You know, we were just 
stoked to be getting free shit. But you guys definitely were like a plus students at the um, at heckling. And I'm I'm guessing when the fucking whole thing comes out, like, what are you gassing Tommy for? Like the apple dapple or what's mm. the thing that like you guys were just like that one and you held on to it for like you beat the horse with it or whatever. Oh, flog it to death. Uh, the apple dapple thing. <laughs> apple dapple. Bunsen over the Johnson was awesome. Well, we were close friends, so we'd bust him up on like actual mistakes. Like when he comes up, they all skate up and I'm on that. Maps the skaters home. He's like, well, we'll, uh, we'll go as far as, I mean, take it as far. We'll try and get us. We'll do whatever it takes. Just all that stuff where it's so corn dog that well, the, the part no. where they're like in Hawaii or whatever. And they're playing yeah, the drums and, they, and Tony Hawk looks baked out of his mind. They're like, he had, dee, dee, dee. he had staph infection from wallops. Oh, and he was just done. And, and they're eating. They're like, <laughs> just yeah, I mean, oh, man, I asked Tommy, I was like, you still get shit for that? And he's like, dude, what do you think? Well, of this course is the, I do Check this out. Somebody I DJed recently at a animal chin showing at the Balboa Theater in San Francisco. Oh. And Tommy showed up and I guess he answered the questions. I split early, but they showed it. And the whole thing was I was out there spinning in the lobby and some maps of the skaters homes or something like that. And it was basically people were too young to know who him and I were with their kids. So we're just like, Oh, slap in the face. It was hilarious. So him and I go in for a minute and watch the movie. And there's, it's literally people who are so detached from the skate world. It was like a being in a focus group for some toothpaste or something, you know, and we're just like, behind the screen off looking at these people look at us wow and, and then he sees that moment the hawaii moment coming he goes all right we got to go out to the lobby I <laughs> we get up and scurry out I'm like oh that's that one's too too painful and like because i don't want to see myself either it's yeah. just it's funny yeah i mean he's gotten heckled that was just you know that was the defense mechanism or or whatever uh, that i had and v and all those guys we talked shit constantly we yelled, we disrupted. I mean, uh, we, we weren't, you know, th hurting people or violent. The new version of us would be like some real, some unpleasant people, really. Yeah. But back then, we were just so liberated via skating, you know, seriously, that we felt just empowered to just be loud as hell. And we had people behind us all the time. Or maybe it was just Mick, but either way, you know, we knew we were okay to, from getting our asses kicked because we we go to Sac Sacramento to a skate contest and just take everybody's girlfriend at least <laughs> for that night or the, the contest night, literally just wreck everyone, uh, hate on the blockhead guys, and didn't really know them, but you know they were trying to do their own scene. I guess I think they're from Sacto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they had the 34 in their ads, like our 43. Yeah, There's no real brawl there or hating thing going on, but we'd go into Sacto and like win first through 14th at, <laughs> at the contest, you know? And at night we'd, we'd get, we'd wreck someone's house, you know, just break stuff and not like rock stars, but it would just end up there because we were souped up on beer. Mickey was the enforcer, right? Yeah. Mick, um, 
Who wins in a fight in that era? Mickey Reyes versus Jesse Martinez. I want to see that oh, in 1990. In 1990. In 89. In 19. What? Um, yeah, 88 and 89. Woo! <laughs> um, yeah, they don't. Nobody. They're both dead, I think. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a gnarly one. Yeah. Um, Jesse's going to be madder. So he may just win. Oh, okay. you know, Mickey might punch harder, <laughs> but Jesse will be madder. Okay. But those guys, you know, they just kiss and hug if they ever saw each other, I'm sure. Right. I, mean, I landed in Venice and there was Jesse, you know, fresh off of Powell. Um, uh, so that was a whole, a whole different trip. You know, all those heroes were down there, you know, right on the boardwalk every day. And anybody you can think of from the olden days in LA was still down there, still skating. And then true or false, your cat is on the bottom of Nottis's board. Yeah. His mini, his mini model. That's funny as hell. Um, he apparently he has a Polaroid still. Uh, I had a kitten named Shawarma. Hell yeah. And <laughs> it modeled for the, the little one, the mini Nottis playing with a, some yarn. I think it is. Okay. He took photos of it. I yeah, forgot about that. That's uh, that's a freak. Uh, wow. And then you started. That was when you're uh, you're a chef at World Industries, too. Yeah. So not as, did the one on one thing. Right. Uh, I left Nottis's house and went on my way to Venice. And I guess Rocco pulled up not too far after that and had his, you know, fucking uh, exile to Nottis's floor where he did his manifesto or whatever the hell. Cause when he left, he started his whole world, you know, that whole thing happened. Uh, so, uh, Nottis started one-on-one Rocco had this warehouse and he filled it with like a wolf oven and all this dope stuff. And I was working in kitchens at the time in Santa Monica. That that's was my trip then. And he just was like, big brother, I'm starting this magazine. Uh, we want you to cook lunch every day. So here's the credit card, the Rocco credit card. And Nottis had just like just gotten there with the one-on-one trip. And uh, JT from Alva, John Thomas. Yep. He was the graphics dude along with, Cl- is, is it Cliver? Yeah, Sean Cliver. And Shout another out. dude who I can never remember, Mark, super long hair. Oh, McKee. Shout out. All those dudes were there. And I don't know if they were new to the skate scene or what. It was south of... Venice, it was in El Segundo. So I felt like they were coming up from San Diego. I don't know those guys' life stories. They were super cool. Uh, so I pulled in there and started going to like expensive fucking supermarkets every day and doing meals uh, for those cats. Uh, and Big Brother's right there, the first issue and all the way through. So those guys are there. I'm cooking for them and whoever else is around. And there's Wee Man. Whoa, slow it down. All these cats that I don't really know because they're the new, you know, and, and Day One. Are you seeing Day One? Is that when they had oh, the yeah. manu- manual pads in there and they were just filming all day to get whatever? That, be, that might have been a little later, but it's right. It's that building and that whole evolution, I guess, that Knucklehead Rocco created. Um, wow. That was amazing. So I'm cooking for those guys and Big Brother's a super sketchy raunch. Carney. Rad skate mag, right? Yeah. And and all those dudes who I didn't know were there too. Uh, whoever you know, super famous Jeff 
Like, Tremaine, I don't know yeah. yeah, I mean, he's like did all those other movies now. Yeah. And they they were nuts though, man. Rocco had balls. You know, he's like flying it, that weird kid in uh, who became like their spokes guy and he ran around doing it with a fake ID and he wrote all these rad articles. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just they were doing cool rad. Like it's kind of like how I felt Fausto was right at the, when the mag came out because no one could even like what is it? It's a Thrasher skateboard magazine, you know? So yeah. we're going to, we're going to go nuts because we're writing our own shit here. Right. You know? you know? So Rocco was kind of seemed like do the thing with that mag because they were doing new hustler chicks were coming down and hanging out all day. I was cooking for butt naked, like centerfold <laughs> sketch chicks doing, Flies, doing, doing street plants naked in that Thrasher and the, the hustler issue where they go to Baldy. Oh, there's a baldy man. issue in Hustler where there's chicks, there's somebody skating and there's chicks doing uh, street plants, just full beaver shot. Oh, mama. And Rocco was getting everybody down there. It was like a weird little trip. And he was so square, you know? He had his brothers all working there and they had a warehouse. They were printing crazy shirts. And I was sneaking in projects. Like I printed this fucking silkscreen John Coltrane shirt, like 500 of them and just... No one ever charged me anything and just rad that shit. It was, it was cool. It was for a not how Rocco lived his life, right? right? He was like more, like you said, kind of a square guy. And then he had this whole dynamic of just like the circus, you know, it was fucking nuts. It, it was. I, I don't know where he was pulling it from, but it was everything everybody that age wanted to do. Right. He's like, you know, all those younger dudes, day one, and those guys who were coming up and ripping, just fucking, just I couldn't even relate to them. Right. As an early street skater, uh, Rocco was like, and he wasn't really being like scummy at all. It wasn't like he was buying them hookers or something. Well, I don't think that happened. And then, and then they eventually merged with uh, fucking Hustler or whatever. Well, the thing is, is what we had uh, that, sh okay, so one day I came back to work. And everyone split on him and started girl or chocolate. One of those things. Yeah. Girl. Rick. Rick. Is it Rick? Yeah. Mike Carroll and Rick Howard. Okay. So Rick Howard and his chick, Megan or something. Mm -hmm. worked at it. I saw them every day. I cook for them every day. Megan Baltimore. I, yeah. So, and then one day they're like, see, ya, we got the Rolodex. We're out of here. Fuck you, Rocco. And I didn't love Rocco either. They were <laughs> rad. Right. I mean, they did the right thing. They, they made a change, right? Uh, just from my view, I didn't know skateboarding politically then, but didn't they split and start some whole new trip? For sure, yeah. yeah. So it was like another step, and Rocco was lost because he was old, and all of yeah. us. Were, so it was rad. I knew they were cool because yeah. I couldn't move for them every day. I knew they were going to do something, but one day they were just all gone with all the riders, and they're like, "Okay, well, um, can we have that credit card back?" <laughs> you know, and it, that was it. But it was a cool little thing, but. A lot of rad skaters came through there, man. Really yeah. rad. I mean, you got like your little journey has put you in some epic like scenarios throughout both SoCal and NorCal. Yeah, super fortunate. Super fortunate via through skating to even meet Skate Master Tate as well. And Olsen, right when I moved there and get in the whole record music thing through him. Is that he, how it happened? Yeah, I mean... I was in the van with filming Animal Chin with those guys, and I was an oldies radio 
You know, I'm a, I'm a, a head, you know, I, I remember. Foghead. Oh, a foghead. I'm a pothead and a foghead, but I, you know, I listen to oldies a lot. So I kind of, I'm a music head. So we're in the car with Stacy and his film crew and the oldie stations on, and I'm just calling shots on, on shit. You know, we're playing a game with beware who started uh, uh, thunder trucks, I think. Yeah. Skate rock or something. So he's in there and he's older and he, he works for Thrasher and he has a record company and I'm burning this guy on like KYA oldies. Like that's the foundations, you know, Billy Gilmer and the fireballs, stupid shit. Cause I listened to them while I had a paper route. So anyway, the word gets to skate master Tate. And when I moved to LA and he wants to meet me, not like he's famous, he was just another skater, but him and I hit it off. And so wow. I started hanging out with him in Hollywood and DJing and buying records and meeting that whole other aspect through him and skating and was that during skate TV or it was right. Yeah, it was totally. It was right. Yeah. We were driving out to that fucking pool all the time and style of the week. <laughs> doing that. Yeah. I mean, I had done some sketchy art film for like friends of Olsen's where like they showed my ass or something, but I was actually skating in it. Some point I whipped out my ass cheek for her in the back of the plane. But it was some like art film BS, right? Taters almost got me the job as the, the dork on skate TV, but I they asked me if I'd done anything else. And I'm like, yeah, I was in some art film. It wasn't a, you know, risque at all. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just too risky. Your buttocks was shown. <laughs> That's just a little stupid tidbit, but Skate TV was rad, man. It was super cool. Oh, I say was every week. Stoked. He, I mean, it was, I mean, he's dead. Rest in peace, taters. Yeah. Um, but he was hugely influential and always about skating, man. You know, right. uh, even during his hip hop little, is the records he put out and all that. There was always a skate theme, but that, that period right there was such a sweet spot because we were driving out there all the time to that crazy pool that was painted and we could do whatever we want there. And uh, it was rad. It was just rad. It was super cool. Oh, that was mainstream, right? That was like NBC or something. Right? Nickelodeon, dude. Oh, Nickelodeon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is, wow. yeah, pretty oh. mainstream. Damn. Okay. Well, what are you thinking? Are you down South when, um, the big uh, changing of the guard happens and the guy with the glasses becomes the editor at Thrasher. Yeah, I'm down south. What um, do you think? Is, what? Your, is your brain like, are you, is your head blown or does it yeah, make sense at that time? I didn't know how he got to that. Because <laughs> um, he was in shipping, right? Or something. And then, well, I didn't, when I left, he was not even at Thrasher yet. He was at the skate shop. Yeah, but I knew Fausto who's a shrewd motherfucker and smart, whatever. Uh, so I was kind of like, if, if Jake is in this position at the mag, you know, cause I talked to Tommy constantly and yeah. we see each other all the time. If I was up there, he'd be in LA for some reason. So I'm like, if Fausto put this guy in there, I mean, and then I started to think about how, you know, we'd flip through the mag at the skate shop every day when it showed up the new mag and Jake would, you know, he had that fucking brain, dude, where he'd just be like, that's, you know, every page, everybody's name, what ramp they were at, all that shit. And yeah, it started to make sense, kind of. I didn't really get it. And I, I was getting Thrasher's still in the mail. I had a lifetime subscription. So I, I still looked at it. I didn't know who the kids were. 
because it was the nineties, you know, and I, yeah. whatever. So, um, but I was blown away, man. I was stoked for Jake because, you know, I didn't have the 30 years that I was down or 20 years. I was down South relationship with Jake that Tommy and those guys worked in the same building ask, you know, or the same circle, uh, all the deluxe guys and everybody and think and all that stuff. I missed all that. So my memories of Jake aren't, you know, all this super scoundrel behavior that like people love him slash hate him for. Uh-huh. Uh, it's more like him at the skate shop being just like a Boston guy a little and being super raw and, and zero bullshitty. But I, he'd get off work with Tommy from the skate shop and we would skate all the way to Embarcadero. I mean, just me and him. And then I'd show up and there'd be kids there and he'd just be gone. He'd be gone into Bart to take it to. So uh, Felper was, uh, I don't have all the, the recent memories all you guys do of him. I just have this old raw shit. Although when I came to the city, I'd see him, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. I'm getting sidetracked. Sorry, dude. No, it's all good. What, what brought you back to the city? My parents live up here still, you know, and uh, I was done down south. So I just came back up. It was natural. Uh-huh. When I was 43, I told myself I'm probably going to move back when I'm 43. And I did that. Yeah. 11, about 11 years ago. Okay. And, you know, I, it wasn't a struggle to plug back in at all, you know, just right away. There we were. That's good. And you, you're doing DJing still like, like, how's it going right now with the, the pandemic oh, and the variants? Yeah. The little shithole. I'm sorry. The awesome spot I spin at in, in El Cerrito called the Little Hill Lounge. Tommy <laughs> lives close by to there. Him and I do. We're doing a, a monthly biweekly thing for a while, just playing old records. Um, you know, the, the, all those businesses got jacked around. So he's coming back together and, uh, you know, we'll get it going. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I just there's just not a lot to do. The city's good when there's a skate event, you know, and or Tommy does a gig and I DJ before the gig or in between sets or something, but nothing's been happening. I, I, it's hard to believe it's been like delivery two years or some shit. Do you know who Kevy Kev is? Yeah. You have, you know about his gig every night at six o'clock. He does live Instagram. He just DJs for the world. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Do you do any, any shit like that where you're just like fucking. I should. I yeah. should. I guess I waited long I th- enough. To- I think Tommy did it once or twice, at least, where he spun some records, maybe just like with his camera on it or something. I yeah. don't know. There was times where I think we were all just reaching for like, uh, what's this? It does feel good to see a bunch of people and sit around a table, man. It's pretty great. It's a good feeling. And it's an odd to think that that's unusual, you know, uh, I don't know. You can still do it. I don't care about politics and all the bullshit and who who cares about COVID and all that, man. I mean, it is what it is. I don't know. It's just people need to fucking uh, get back together and fucking talk over a, a table. We just need to be free and love each other. Yeah. I mean, it's so obvious to me that like, no matter what your pol- political view is, we just have to be kind and respectful to one another not talk about that for 24 seven and just want to like, ah, like a little bugged out that, that people, uh, their default mode is like 
combative me versus you bullshit. You know, I, I'm on the anarchy trip. I don't like either side. I never would buy into their whole system. If I did, I'd have to be invested in one side mm. of some bullshit. And yeah, sure. If you don't, I don't care about vaccine. I, I'm vaxxed because I have parents who are old. Yeah. And I don't want to get them sick or anybody else. Yeah. You know, and if, if it really bugs you or you don't want a, a chip in your brain or whatever the fuck, you know, uh, then don't do it, bro. I'm not going to argue with it. I work with a bunch of people who aren't vaxxed because they're young and they just don't give a fuck and they're not sick and they're not getting anyone sick. So, you know, I just, I want to stop talking about all that and everybody does not have it on their mind and actually just sure wear a fucking mask. I've been in Japan, man. Everybody's wearing a mask anyway. If they have a common cold, that's not a good deal. And do it. If it turns you on, you know, don't get pissed if, if it doesn't turn you on. Yeah. And just, Try and get past that shit so I can fucking drink with like 200 skaters in the same fucking bar. Yeah. You know, and just be all fucking rubbing our hairy, sweaty, <laughs> Ben Stiller movie, fucking <laughs> basketball scene chests on each other, you know, on some skater of the year shit, just going nuts, you know. My shit's taken care of. Where's the dream? You got the ultimate budget. There's no budget. You get the fucking. Like if we could have the skater of the year party anywhere in the city. Oh, wow. Where do we have it? Oh, I don't know. Like the Palace of Fine Arts or some shit, you know, some, some crazy on some place we can't afford, you know? Yeah. And just rage it out. Where's the best burrito in the city? Oh, man, dude. Or how about this? Where have you eaten a burrito the most times in the city? Uh, oh, El Farlito. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, that's actually maybe not. El Faro's not that great anymore, but the one on Folsom was, you know, a treat when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s. But dude, I gotta say, I'm gonna go with Whitey Burrito Gordo's. I was was gonna say you had to have eaten at Gordo more than anything. Times it just it just clicked. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking the mission. Yeah. But no, I mean the steamer at the end. And they're, they're, they kill it, man. And it's been consistent for a hundred fucking years, man. <laughs> so, yes, that's the spot. You're totally right. I, that mean, is I mean, and it was local, like in proximity. You didn't have to go far yeah. apart. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then what about holidays in the city? Do you get fired up for them or is it just another day? Or like, what do you think? Like, are you stoked to see the lights on the building and you get a little special trip down to Embarcadero for the ice rink or anything? Well, I mean, I left for 20 years. And uh-huh. so the city went through a, a lot of like dot-com douchey, you know, I'll, I'm not going to go all man about how ah, these shitheads are living in the city now stuff. Cause they all really suck, but and the techies and all that. So I saw the city do a bunch of shit. So all I could really love was my little group of friends and the buildings that and the architecture and the spots, you know, so, yeah, I will fucking take the bus all the way downtown and walk from Embarcadero as far as my old ass can go, maybe to the Broadway Tunnel or go all the way to Jackson or even all the way to like Masonic or something all through all those places all by myself with a couple of joints in my pocket and think of the places I can stop, you know, at the top of like uh, Divis and look at it, Alcatraz, all that at the top of Lion Street. That's what uh, that's that's fine with me. That's that's what the city is. And then, you know, go meet my friends who we all know. But, you know, yeah, the city's still the city as long as nobody fucking bothers you 
Yeah. One thing you know, nobody gives you an advice, any advice while you're walking by their house or anything. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm getting corny. No, it's just it's one of the things I think we all deal with as, you know, we've lived here for a long time and we've seen it go through a lot of changes, but we still love it. You know, hopefully we're going to get through it and then we'll be back to business. It's evolution. And and the older you get, the more you want to complain about why it's not the way it used to be. So it's just like, it's like watching Archie Bunker or some old sitcom, man. And you're going, I'm not becoming that. Oh God. Yes, I am. So it's just uh, whatever. If you can keep finding a place to drink where you're around the people you like instead of being annoyed by some dude with a, a f- iPhone glasses on or something or yeah then, uh, or just anybody with the wrong music. I mean, I hate everything. I'm old. So yeah. if you can hang out with people that are okay and thank God we got the skate community in the city, man, because I mean, that'll never betray you. Right. You know, <laughs> they, they really won't. And it's, it's still there. It's amazing, but it's still there. Is there, if you look back in the history, is there one moment you remember as like something you saw on a skateboard that you were there for that was like the most insane? Like, what the fuck? (sighs) God, I really, well, I mean, early stuff like uh, demos at Moscone Center on a ramp with no flat bottom, you know, that's just like, Three feet of vert. You know. The one with no deck didn't camp yeah, or something. Somebody went over the fucking- and, Yeah, that kind of stuff was like, well, that made me knew that I just didn't have the balls for a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, like I could ollie, I could do stuff that people didn't want to try on the street, but I knew there was different skaters in different leagues when I saw that kind of shit, you know. And then Gons came and ruined Embarcadero by fucking jump jumping over that shit, you know. Oh yeah. You know, uh, were you the, you weren't there, were you? No, nah, I was there then, but I just wasn't there that day. Okay. Um, I was still in the city though, but you know, like there was a stage there, and I was the first person that ollied up it. But it was, you know, it wasn't that high. It was just the old days. Uh-huh. You know, that was just when Gons did that. That was like something. We were just too scared to do, man. We never, he had that effortlessly, like, I'll just fly over this and land there and bounce off of there. And, you know, we'd we'd seen that line before too, but there was no way. It was a joke, you know? So that was a mind blower. Yeah. I'm thinking the first time, like, you saw somebody actually do a wall ride and you you had maybe seen a picture of it or something, but you, you see it in real life and you're like, Holy shit. Well, wall rides were right on our watch. So. Cause you had the bank to walls too, in the avenues, right? Where that was how you could learn them. Well, on Corbett street, which I had a paper wrap Corbett is above the Castro kind of in the hate. Um, That was a a run we used to do. There was a bunch of fences that had, uh, I think Tommy, both Tommy and maybe Mick have photos that Luke probably took of us way up on the wall, but that's off like a street run going, but blam up to it. Uh, flat wall stuff. None of us were really doing that. Uh, Nottis came to the city and was slamming up the wall, you know, that kind of stuff. And then we just started doing it. All of us, you know, right. as soon as we saw it. So we didn't feel like 
we learned it. We just felt like, you know, we're all doing this right now type of thing. So uh-huh. wall rides were just there. And uh, the hand railing thing was a separator. That was the big boom line in the sand, you know, to leave us behind and the Julians and the sergeants to, to go forward. Right. I, uh, you know, I tried a couple hand railings, but uh, there's no way I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Later on, Nottis and I did one at, at the Santa Monica Mall, uh, but it, it wasn't like an ollie to the middle of a hand railing uh, like the modern ones. It was a long metal one where you ollied up on it and just slid and slid and slid and dropped off. But uh, the theory was, you know, when you first look at it, you're just like, how am I going to get up on the that high ass hand railing? You don't think you ollie out to the middle of it and start, you know, so back then it was just you know sketch as hell man yeah super sketch fuck can you believe 40 years of thrasher yeah that's that's completely mind-blowing man like no magazines exist and thrasher's thicker than it's ever been yeah that is nuts it's nuts um you know just to bring phelps up one more time he you know who knows if he ever you ever knew if he disliked you deeply or, or you know i don't know but he put me in the 25th anniversary thrasher amongst tommy and Josue and those guys in a little corner of a page you know and i had no clout no sponsor no buy at oakland tech doing the most disgusting stylist japan or off a jump rail but the fucking guy you know i thanked him for it at the skate skater of the year party back then and that's when i knew you know i, I just I, I was i had love from phelps and like some eternal understanding with him you know uh just because he recognized raw shit i guess and it was just like well that's an ugly photo and nobody knows who this dork is but i'm gonna throw it in a fucking thrasher with gods on all the pages so that's that's like a the high high point of my life as far as in the skate world, getting that in there. And, you know, never was a pro. You probably never pissed them off, though. There's like, you know, there's people that he was passionate about that, like, did things right, whether no matter what your deal was, it was like, no, that guy fucking cut me off and fuck that guy forever. No matter who he was, he was done. Like forever. I didn't and, know that. And, and the guys that didn't do that to him and represented, like, you know, NorCal went a long way. Jake had a lot of passion for the things he loved. And so, like, Tommy was gold. Like, you know, no matter what, Tommy was gold. And like, Mick, of course, they had their love hate relationship, but like, he had his, in his mind, this is what it was. And it was super important to him, as it is for me, that like, the mag is in San Francisco, no matter where anyone else is, it shoots the photos lives and edits or any of that shit, San Francisco. And he wanted you to make sure it was S F C A. And so that shit, I don't know that it's just, yeah, we miss him. Have you seen this fucking billboard? Oh yeah, man. Still watching. Yeah, I thought it was going to cause a uh, friction in Chinatown with the watching still watching. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that's a that's amazing. Insane, I mean, I, right? thought, I saw it on Instagram and I thought it was just like a, a Photoshop thing. And then, you know, people are sending it to me. 
more and more. And I'm like, well, it's great. Uh, bring a tear to my fucking eye, man. It's like. Somebody spray painted porn on there. Still watching porn. <laughs> Dude. That's cool. And it's eight blocks from my house. So right after this, I'm going there. I think they're taking it down tomorrow. I'm going to go try to fly my drone and see if I can get some good aerial shots of it. But I'll probably get jumped and my drone will get stolen. But you should, I just, uh, <laughs> you should just get the guys who are taking it down to give you the, the section with the glasses. I know that would be so like sick. Uh, that's, a, that's a good that's a good one. Um, Steve Coons. Uh, I mean, Brian Coons. I call him yeah. Steve. He, he asked, most importantly, he wanted to ask you how oh, you're God. coping with the death of your dear, dear friend, Francis Llewellyn Ponch Poncherello, a.k.a. Henry Enrique. No, He's dead again. Oh, no, this is the worst. How could you spring this on me? You know, I'd be emotional. Oh, oh, let me just breathe for a second. Oh, God. Um. Yeah, it's been rough Ooh. finding out he's not really dead so many times, dude. It's just a gag, man. I I don't know. <laughs> I, I just like posting uh, that he's dead every like six months on Instagram. And did people fucking just lose it? Well, half the people. Uh, well, not half anymore. Maybe a third <laughs> of the people who haven't seen the previous ones. A quarter of them are like, "Again, dude," with a bunch of question marks. Uh, and the other ones are like, he's totally not dead. I Googled it. The other ones are like, oh, no, not Ponch. And a bunch of black hearts or something. And then Brian and my friends who've seen it probably every six months for the last 10 years are just like gone too soon and stand real sentimental shit. What happens when he, really, when he really dies? No one's going to believe you. Yeah, I just want him to contact me. This is what I'm trying to do. Ah. I want to desist. I got a on it. I got a photo of him with Poncho Moller. Was epic. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, he dude. was at an ASR trade show, and I was like, Ponch, we got to go get a photo with you and Poncho. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, dude, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, we always end with a song. Uh that we can just throw on and, and shoot out into the thing. Uh, I really appreciate the time though. I love your stories and getting to hear like the city stuff. It's just gold for me. It's I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people agree. Like it's just what inspired us to do what we're doing. It's really cool to, to, to meet now more than ever. And when I'm hanging out with Tommy, people who are talking about what you just talked about, uh, not that we were superstars at all, but somehow, you know, uh, somehow you guys all found out about our little trip or cause you're part of it. Cause it's the world of skateboarding, but it's cool to, to meet humble fucking people who are just stoked cause they skated back then. And they were just five or 10 years younger and they heard of us knuckleheads, you know? I mean, it's pretty pioneer shit though. I mean, like, the skating started like in our lifetime, you know, it's like it started when I was two years old, pretty much like it started in our lifetime. Well, that's that's my son's 31 years old a couple of days ago. And it's the same thing as hip hop, you know, right. and I and Tommy went to a public enemy show together and we all knew all the lyrics. Yes. It's just hip hop started, you know, it's almost like punk rock. You could say the same thing, but skating, especially it's a small fucking world, the skate world still. And how is it possible that anyone 
my age and my fifties matters at all in, in the scope of things. I right. mean, big time pros, people like Gons and Tommy and all those guys who were in the mags and won lots of contests and had models. People remember them, but little shitheads like me and other people who were just part of it, you know, people still, it's, it's amazing how tight and how reminiscent our world is. It's, it's so cool, man. It's so cool. Yeah. And we're from a city that's seven square miles. So it's like, it is family. Like you put a small town and you put skateboarding, which especially back then didn't have a lot of it. If you saw them, you were like, that's one of us. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. There was, that was Uh, it. What's the best show you've ever been to? Musically? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Jeez, dude. Cow Palace 88 fucking Metallica before anyone knew who they were. Well, <laughs> some small ones and some big ones, but the, our super rad one was uh, there was a day on the green with uh, Iron Maiden, the Scorpions, uh, Waterboy, and Foreigner, which were totally lame to us. But while Iron Maiden and the Scorps were in town, they did another gig with uh, Girls School, which was like a, a girl a motorhead type band that was all chicks. Right. And uh, that was just insane. And the bratest part was Bon Jovi were on their first tour and they were the very opening gig. And they got through like two and a half minutes of their first song before they were just barraged with bottles and had to leave the stage. None of us had ever heard of them, but where was that at? Probably in a, at the Coliseum in Oakland. That was an amazing gig just because I was like 17 or something or six uh-huh. or even earlier, 14 or 15. And, you know, we had a ball. Of it was just, you know, early rock experience. But I saw a lot of gigs in L.A. that were incredibly amazing in tiny little spots. Um, you know, Motorhead and a lot of really cool blue stuff. And just I, it's just too much. I worked at a lot of live venues, so I saw stuff constantly. Well, as a fan of the oldies, if you could go back in time, what 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 would be the, your front row? What do you who's on stage? Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, I'd probably go to a James Brown show when Bootsy was on bass in like 69 or something when it was just when everyone had just uh, stopped processing. If you could bring anybody back to CBS that moved to Portland and their name's Bryce or Mickey. Who would it be? <laughs> Both of those guys. Yeah, totally. It's awesome to see those cats. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing to think uh, how long ago it was and how, uh, how, you know, how tight everybody still is. It's amazing. You ever go up to Portland, do a little time at the Cat's Paw? I haven't, man. My son lives there and I've never... I haven't been up to hang out. I'm ready to do a little DJ tour, Ooh. probably in spin at mix bar and some other spots up there, you know, okay. something like that, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's a great spot. I like Portland a lot is you go there in the fall and the spring and it's poo as summer is just river time. It's like everybody's in fucking those croc shoes and you're like, what's going <laughs> on? Kind of got interrupted there, but I wanted to just thank you first and foremost for taking the time and sharing the stories, but also uh, I don't know what kind of 
song you want to leave us with and if there is any other thing you want to plug or anything out there that we didn't discuss or anything um no man i got nothing to plug there's a song called san francisco chinatown the, uh, the band is um daisy clan it's funny to hear the word san francisco in in, in songs so that's that's one of them uh yeah throw that on there that's an oddball okay <laughs> What was the MCM song that got you most hype? Was it Jim Thebo or Big Black Cadillac? Or oh no, it was uh, his cover of Little Sister, the Elvis song. Ah, Little Sister, don't you? But all the lyrics were naughty, like, uh, um, she had a shirt made of flannel and she watched the Playboy Channel, and I think that girl is queer. No, 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 Little Sister, don't. Oh, they just murdered it, man. That was. <laughs> Fun band to see. Unbelievable. Unreal. We just went to, uh, what was it, Town Park in Oakland yesterday, and they did this whole yeah. thing where they gave boards away and helmets and all these little kids and, you know, not homeless, but people in need. And, and they had the pros there teach it. And it was like such a positive, rad thing. And Jim's out there. And it's just like these guys just continue to do that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's kind of amazing that it's come this far that that we're in that or jim and people at our age are in the position now to actually you know ego without ego or telling you anybody what you used to do or be through skating man you just like all that pressure is gone you can just pass on what you're talking about you know to other people it's pretty it's pretty cool i mean none of us are millionaires you know kind of act like it with with without cash just in like goodwill or i'll ride a limo with the rest of them i i i can get in a limo i know how to do it <laughs> um yeah it's it's fucking cool i saw the footage of that too uh yeah no it was real cool i i was uh invited to come and help document it and i didn't even know what it was uh Naraco hit me up and he was like hey are you in town can you do this i was like sure and i went there i was like dude kind of like honored to be a part of this this is like right. a really cool thing it was good for break free too like rainy and uh julian and them were out there and they got all these sweatshirts with their you know their shop on it but they're doing they're doing this shit it's i don't know i was touched i came home and told my wife i was like it was a good day we we did some good stuff today yeah it's it's a good feeling i bet all right. Well, I hope to uh, run into you sooner than later. If you're doing, if DJing is happening around, fucking send me a text or whatever and uh, try to get out there. I mean, you guys were doing it for a while down across from uh, Blue Plate pretty regularly. Yes. And I would see you and Tommy. I would even see, you know, who I saw there is Jello Biafra one night. Whoa. Yeah. He, he, he was DJing there. I was like, whoa. Yeah. This, yeah so. But yeah, yeah dude. I'll keep you posted, man. Um, okay. something, will, something will break loose. We all got to get in the same room together, everybody. It's been way too long. And this has been awesome, man. Thanks for the... Yeah, I'm glad it finally happened. Um, take care of yourself and uh, we'll talk soon. Episode 143, man. Thank you. Cheers. Right Later. on, bro. Bye.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes, with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at TalkingSchmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper.